Literally three hits knocked that sucker out. Wow, you just got a whole team made of the same thing, don't you? Oh, my drowsy is still hanging out with me. That's a shift tree if I ever heard one. By the way, side note, uh, me and Emma are both Pokemon Go players, so if anyone would like to add us, feel free. We can, uh, we can drop our codes in Instagram or something. I mean, how can you not like this music? It's a bop. Hello. Welcome, Welcome to the, to the pop, pop podcast. podcast. Did we actually almost do that in sync? We did. I'm impressed. That's the first time. It's seven episodes later. Oh, and by the way, I That's referred to... That's the first to... time that I'm actually present for the first, like, ten seconds of the episode. In my well, brain. I did say hello a few seconds ago, but you just kind of barreled right through it, but it's okay, because I didn't I say did, anything. I did, like... I thought that maybe you were just, like, saying hi to me, you know? like. I mean, I was, but usually the hello is, like, like the reference. introduction, yeah. The way I say it is is the, hey, we're getting started. Hi. Hello. Hey, hi, hello. Isn't that a, isn't that a band or something? It is. Um, I really had to process that. I was like, wait a minute. That's one of the ones that we went and saw. Or that was like, not went and saw, but we was at the festival and they were there. Was it? Mm-hmm. They were one of like the side day bands that we saw. No, they had names. They had names. <laughs> I'm Kayla. I was still on names. Oh, it is my name. I mean, I was still thinking about the conversation about no-name bands because I was understanding in the moment that they're not going to get that reference. I was, was, was going to cut it out. Oh. I was going to cut that they have names out, but now I have to leave it in. Well, so tell we'll them explain. about it. Oh, I'm Let's, Emma. Hi. This is we. Now I will proceed to explain. What no. happened there? So no. here in our state, we have um, occasionally uh, like Christian music festivals. And it's like not your typical Christian music. It's like the rock music and stuff like that. Definitely not cliche, not contemporary Christian. Yeah. Sorry. And uh, I went with her one time. There were a bunch of no-name bands there, and my my they mother and her mother, start, you know? my mother and her mother were there. They were like we were shopping in like one of our big cities. It's, it's Lexington. They were shopping in one of the big cities, and they were they dropped us off at the festival, and they asked us <laughs> who we listened to, and we were describing all these people. And my mom lo- looked in the mirror, and she was like, "Oh, so a bunch of no-name bands." And then Emma over here proceeds to say, "No, they have names." <laughs> And me and my mom and her mom all looked at her while the car was moving. Of course, my mom didn't look as long because, you know, she was driving. But we all gave her a look and just busted out laughing. And she could not process why yeah, we no, were laughing. Yeah, no, it had to be explained to me. And it's like, no, they, they we know they have out. names. They're just starting it's out. Like their name's not recognized. And then she was like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that. I guess. <laughs> I guess <laughs> and so. she was not laughing. It was great. But it, yeah. it just, it totally didn't make sense to me at the time because I was like, oh, they, they And you were really, like, what, really 14, 15 at the most? Because you weren't driving yet, but I think I was. Um, and it was when you were still back and forth. Then I would have been like closer to 12 and a half, 13 then. Okay. 
But yeah, I mean, still. So I would have been old enough to know what probably. a no-name band is. And I wish I could say that that is the first time an instance like that has happened to me. And the last time too, but it has not it's been not. either. That's an average occurrence for yeah. me. That's that was the the middle of a long road ahead of over whooshes. I think they're called whooshes. Oh yeah, right. Something oh, right man. over your head. It's because I think that like. Maybe it's like a, a trusting thing, like unintentionally just being like ignorant and just like taking what someone says literally. Like just, I trust what you're saying is a fact. I'm, I'm engaging in that. And then it just, yeah, it goes right over my head because I, I think too literal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, but not all the time. Just depends on what it is. Either too literal or too way out there. Yes. Because, like, trying to explain why, and I still, I feel like me bringing this up, you're still going to try to pursue it. Uh, Is it about and- that design? <laughs> I swear to God, I still have notebooks filled with this design. An everlasting machine. I can't think of what they're called. No, but no, don't, just- don't put the design out there. They're going to steal it. No it's one's going to steal it. Design. You know what? it's not going to work. It's going to work. And you know what? This is going to be, I'm going to dedicate some sort of, like, social media. I'm going to make a whole profile for this design just have them wait and see y'all will see yeah so she's she's trying to come out with a design of like um it's it's, it's like it's a energy. renewable energy yes yeah. a self-renewing energy but i cannot i cannot stress enough times to her that the laws of entropy I and the laws of to you that the laws of everything are made up and we don't know everything about every law yet. And I will That's find probably my loopholes around these laws. If they can say there's aliens in the ocean, I can really, really put some hope in this perpetual... Perpetual motion. That's what it is. Perpetual motion. It's a machine source. of perpetual motion. Perpetual motion. Jason Momoa. <laughs> oh, my God. My I saw words. a TikTok today. It was like... Which candidate would you pick for presidency? Candidate one drinks six to eight mimosas a day and has two wives and blah, blah, blah. Candidate two cheats on wife daily, blah, blah, blah. Drinks a bottle of whiskey a night. Uh, candidate three, vegetarian, a painter, you know, a, a, a decorated war veteran. And it was like, the third one was like Hitler or something. And the first one was like Franklin D. Roosevelt and whatever else. I was like, dang. Honestly, based on solely on those descriptions. The way that you describe something. Yeah, it's like it's like describe a movie badly. That's what, what this is. Describe <laughs> exactly. a president badly. Because based on that, badly. I mean, at least a person that has two wives and drinks mimosas. Like, if you could combine one and two, that'd be great. <laughs> A person that has two wives and drinks whiskey, like that's a very relaxed person. That's open. That's a very relaxed person. It's very open about their relationships and doesn't cheat on their wives because you know their wives know that that they have another thing too. I wasn't thinking of like, oh, this one's a negative, this one's a positive. I was like, six to eight mimosas a day. That's almost impressive. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I would struggle to drink six to eight full drinks of anything a day. I mean, if I I was paralyzed from polio, I'd probably drink six to eight mimosas a day too. But that's true. I, I mean, actually I don't like mimosas, if we're being serious. I've though. never had one, I truthfully. Mean, I can't tell you that you will or won't like them, but I won't have another one. I don't one, think I like probably. champagne enough to even care. It's, yeah. Because it, it is. It's champagne and orange juice, from what I understand. Yeah, and I've and that's had, it. like, three different champagne types now. I've had one, and, and I like didn't like it. Just, like, Girls Days Alone, and do not like any of the combinations. I think it's overrated. 
So yeah. anyway, back to the original conversation of the machines of they perpetual motion. <laughs> oh, that uh, one. Well, I was I was going to go from there, and we can still go from there into... Speaking of machines yes, and we creations. Yes, we can segue nicely. Yes, segue nicely into this film. This is our part 4-4 four, four of our Daniel Radcliffe series, which has been a blast, and I would love to do it again for another actor. I'm so sorry. What? I don't know why, but I just thought of a joke in my own head, and it felt rude to say it because you was like a 4-4, four, four, and I was like, coincidentally, also how tall Daniel Radcliffe is. But he's not even that he's, short. He's not 4-4. Four, four. I know, it's just like... I don't know why my brain I'm pretty thought of sure it. he's 5-6. Let me look like it up while really, I'm sitting here. It was just like a rude, intrusive thought just popped out. I don't know why I said that. Well, it's I know it's funny that it, it's a good roast, but it's not accurate. No. Let me let me look it up. I'm wanting to say he's five six. Probably. Because he is shorter than James McAvoy, who is only five eight ish. Which is technically have, short. I wouldn't have thought that he was five eight. Yeah, they're both real small. Well, not real small, but they're both small ish. You're like four four. He's five five. Dana Radcliffe is five five. You know what? He's the same height as I'm my sister. I'm counting that as close enough. Hey, it's a great kissing height. I mean, I'm just saying, especially for, you know, me and you. But yes, that does segue nicely into, or well, it did, but not so nicely now, into the sci-fi uh, Victor Frankenstein. It's definitely a good one, worth watching. Got a lot of good stars in it. Definitely some Patricia moments. <laughs> I think at one point I even said, okay, calm down, Patricia, <laughs> because of the way Slamming he was talking table. to. Yeah, it, it was pretty out there. Um, I swear, James McAvoy is so underrated. Like, this dude is he's an acting very, genius. He's a very good actor, but there's definitely a couple <clears throat> scenes in this movie specifically that are this just a little bit... <laughs> they're a little bit much. Are you, do you like Friends? me yeah no okay well in the show friends i always get confused because like i also don't like the office if it's a sitcom the office if it's a sitcom i don't watch it yeah so in friends there's a particular episode where joey is doing a scene in a show and they're like war soldiers you know whatever and he's talking with a general in this scene and he's a really really great actor in the show and he spits a lot and he's like you keep spitting on me man and he was like i'm enunciating so he's like teaching joey to spit and he's like spitting with every syllable and that's exactly what i was thinking of that whole time <laughs> it's like man it's a bit much it's a lot of spit there's so much saliva in this music in this movie. It, it, <laughs> in this musical. In this music. <laughs> God, my words. They're just not working today. I mean, between chiropractic and direct to <laughs> Chiropract epis- no no no. Chiropractic was meant to be. <laughs> the fact that we both said We it. both created the word at the same time. There was one point where I looked at her and I said somebody was <clears throat> Derepa sec Derepa- Oh, I forgot that you was saying the word wrong on purpose. <sighs> I can't even say it. Oh, my God. I was combining the words directed, episode, and designated as I was talking about this director because he directed episodes of Designated Survivor. And I somehow mashed them all together. And it's like, I don't know what's wrong with me. So anyway, let us continue into this movie. And I will mess up more words as we go along, I'm sure. And me too. Yes. 
So oh, Victor Frankenstein came out in 2015. Uh, another contemporary movie, only six years old. Not too bad. It is listed as a... I was pregnant. Were you really? Yes. Yeah, I guess you would have been, because kiddo's only five this year, right? Yep. Momo. Where's he at? He's in the hallway. <laughs> He's asking to come in. He can come in. Momo can come in. Hold on. He's allowed. Just put... Just a second, Momo. Here, Momo. Come on, baby. He'll come and boot me here in a second. He'll be like, here. praise me, love me, pet okay. me. I can't keep that door open, though. But you gotta be quiet. Shh. Oh, he can meow. It's fine. Last week, we got my dog farting, so that's fine. This film is a drama sci-fi thriller. It definitely was dramatic. Yep. There's been a lot of dramas. Like, Daniel Radcliffe is a drama king. Maybe I should add that in. Like, I like action, I like comedy, and I like drama. I feel like dramas, and I said it last week, it, it's a very broad term, and a lot, of, a lot of movies wouldn't happen if there wasn't drama. So, throwing that in as a genre kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's also kind of necessary. <clears throat> it's like a necessary evil to put in there. Uh, it was also mentioned as, like, a horror on IMDb, but I'm not sure I stand behind that. I think that kind of fits mm. with the thriller genre. That's a more specific subgenre of horror, in a way. Because it's, was like... only, like, I wasn't scared part of that that I was a little bit, like, what's going to happen? The only exception would be, yeah, the what's going to happen, which I think that fits more closely with and thriller. I said, I don't remember what scene it was on, but I said it out loud as it was happening. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I know this is going to happen. I think it was the, the table where we were looking at the the lecture hall. And what we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, that I was caught like us off guard. And I was like, oh, and yeah. We just knew it wasn't going to go well. Uh, this movie is rated PG 13. Um, but I would say this is not a normal PG 13 movie because, like, this isn't just like, you know, slice and dice, blood spraying everywhere. This is like we're looking at dead carcasses sometimes that are very disturbing. So it's a different kind of gross. But it's not like people. <clears throat> well, it is. It's Frankenstein. Well. But he didn't look that bad compared to Gordon. Yeah, like, the gross bits was, like. It was mostly the, the No chip. more than, like, a medical show. <clears throat> and that's true, too. It wasn't any, like, horror or gore like that. Except right. for maybe the sewed together bits. Yeah, just the. Yeah. Oh, there was one part that, yeah, was pretty foul. Which part? Oh, that uh. part. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I don't want to think about it. It was so gross. Uh. Which, truth be told, looking back, it was probably just milk. Like, straight up, just like a gallon of milk. But you don't want to look back and think about it. No. <laughs> so, the runtime on I this movie. I don't want movie... to think about milk when I think about it. And most, uh, most stuff like that doesn't look like that anyway. From what I've seen. The runtime on this film is an hour and 50 minutes. Nice, lengthy movie. This was directed by, let's see if I can get this right the first time around, Paul McGuigan. Yes, that was it. And that's the one that directed Epa designated survivor. Uh, but no, you he was. You knew? <clears throat> he directed the movie Push with Chris Evans, that was a sci fi slash fantasy action film that came out in the early 2000s as was well. Was it also a drama? Probably, by default. But not nearly as much as this one. Um, and it, he also had some episodes of Scandal. And he directed one of the three episodes of Netflix's Dracula. 
that came out in 2020, I believe. It was decent. It was very cool. A uh, fun take on the, the, you know, a fun twist on the concept of Dracula. And it was actually very sci-fi heavy too. It was less fantasy, more sci-fi. Very interesting. So I, I recommend giving, giving it a whirl uh, if you haven't watched it already. Our, I, I know I know that wasn't like just directed to me, but you just, you're just like, hmm, less fantasy, more sci-fi. And to me, that instantly was like, that sounds awful. <laughs> the funny thing is, I was kind of talking to you, but also to anyone who's listening, I forget sci-fi is your least favorite genre. It is genre. just so, I don't know why. I don't even have reasons for it. It's just, it gets It's just not me. your thing. Even games, like futuristic games, I don't play them. Like Apex and everything else, except for Destiny 2 was recommended to me that it was more like story-driven. So Yet you're I'm gonna so try that out, but. infatuated with Star Wars. Star Wars is its own league, though. Star Wars is like past, present, future, different galaxies. It's like It's still not sci-fi. It is That's not what anything else. We classify it as just because it's mystical. It could just just as well be just fantasy universe. So let's say it this way. Most of Star Wars, like space travel, the weapons, just the concept of Star Wars, wars in space, that in and of itself is sci-fi. But if you want to include like the concept of the concept. can just commandeer a whole landscape. They can't just take the whole space. But that's what I'm saying. Space, like space, space and space exploration is still science. Everything is science. Yes. Everything is science. But let me but continue. That, you can't make everything science fiction just because of a, a human's discoveries or what we put as scientific or not. It's and let me continue. It's a biological science versus a mechanical science. The concept of the Jedi, the Force, the the Sith, and all that stuff, that's How where you that? can get into fantasy. That's where it's less sci-fi because it is something that we can't necessarily explain. Even though there might be a scientific explanation for it in that universe, that's not something that we can have readily have an explanation for. But the only parts of things that you're saying are sci-fi is like the fact that it's in space. But the space travel is irrelevant because we don't have, you know, just zooming off into light speed and things like that. Like, it's all mystical. It's all fantastical and whimsical. Also remember that magic is science we haven't discovered yet. So it's all fantasy. Until we have science for it. So to, to me, at least... Which it, makes most of Star Wars fantasy because we don't have the science for most of Star Wars. But that's what I'm saying. Like we... Even if you can come up with a scientific explanation for things... Other than the fact things, that they're in space. Yeah. And, yeah and, and I see what you're saying too. But like the fact that they can come up with machinery and stuff that we... Ha- that these humans and these non-humans have created with their own type of science, to me, it translates as science fiction. Because and to you're you, it does not. science fiction-driven brain. Exactly. And you're more of the fantasy-driven brain. Yes. Which is fine. I was just saying, just clarifying that it's like, it's, that's actually, and that goes back to what we were talking about last week, how sci-fi and fantasy are often class, classified together. It's because of that very reason. Yes. It's so interpretive of where does science end and where does magic begin? Because magic is science we haven't found out yet. Well, for half of Star Wars, that's the case. Anyway. We got very... I could talk about Star Wars for way too long. Exactly. And and there's so many opinions on all that <gasps> stuff. We should do a Star Wars episode. Oh I know it's gosh. not a movie. Well, there's movies. <gasps> all right. Well, that's in the future. I just got really excited, though. Actually, Star Wars is in the past. Just throwing that out there. Star <laughs> Wars is in the everywhere. 
It's the forever. So anyway, back to Victor Frankenstein. Our top build cast is Daniel Radcliffe, as expected, James McAvoy, Jessica Brown Findlay, and Andrew Scott. They're pretty much the main four characters throughout the entire film. They're the ones you definitely see the most of. Uh, and what you fell over for? What? Busboy. Oh, ah. but not like a busboy of tables, like the... Yeah, I didn't get to look it up to confirm, but I'm pretty sure, and you'll notice the character, if you go into this movie thinking of the one that was on the bus in Harry Potter that was like, what you fell over for? And he's like, I didn't do it on purpose. That busboy, I he think He has he's a in cameo this. in this one, yeah. I'll have to look it up while you're doing your little synopsis. If it's not, I totally found a doppelganger. Good for whoever. Yep. This film was distributed by 20th Century Fox. It's actually one of the biggest titles, uh, biggest production companies we've had in a while. Uh, Produced by the Davis Entertainment Company, TSG Entertainment, and Moving Picture Company. How plain. The Moving Picture Company. That's literally, like, the most boring name ever. Um, but that wraps it up for the specs and I will let you lead into the synopsis as she tries to dismiss Prince Momo and he's not he having wants it. wants me to hold him. James McAvoy and Daniel Radcliffe star in a dynamic and thrilling twist on a legendary tale. That's true. I will agree with that. Radical scientist Victor Frankenstein and his equally brilliant protege, Igor Straussman, it's not actually Igor Straussman, share a noble vision of aiding humanity through their groundbreaking research into immortality. But Victor's experiments go too far, and his obsession has horrifying consequences. There's more, but I don't like that. Well, what's it say? You, you, you mentioned it now. It says only Igor can bring his friend back from the brink of madness and save him from his monstrous creation. But that's not true. I think that that's, multiple people could have yeah. saved him from that situation. Yeah, that's not kind of what happened. Just a full police force, really. Anybody. I cannot find this guy. Busboy? Yeah, I cannot figure out who this guy is. I'll find it. Yeah, you'll find it. So, this movie definitely starts out with a literal bang. uh, In that we're, we're opening the movie and seeing the whole concept of, like, Frankenstein's monster on the roof getting struck by lightning. And it's like, kaboom! And it's like, you have to turn your TV down because it's so freaking loud when you turn it on um and this we immediately know that this movie is told from igor's point of view um igor was kind of this like circus crony that was the laughing stock of this little group and he is like you know circuses are normally like it's a family and he's like but not for me it, it i was a hunchback they made fun of me i was the butt of all their jokes and uh he kind of passed his time by stealing medical books or something like that like medical anatomy and stuff like that and um, it wasn't the bus boy oh that's unfortunate it did look like him though bus and boy is old as shit now so <laughs> i don't know why i thought he would still look the same but well, he I mean, definitely looks like somebody that is like at least 20 it's, it's their dad so <laughs> you also have to consider too like daniel radcliffe at that point let's see that was prisoner of azkaban he would have been like maybe 14 at the time yeah. roughly no, because he was 1989. It came out this first one's born in 76. Oh, yeah. He's actually older than James McAvoy. Yeah, so. Yeah, so he's. He's somebody's dad or something. Oh, yeah, 100%. Wait, I'm somebody's mom. That really don't mean much. 
All right, continue. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're at the circus, and um, he's he's actually kind of a hobbyist, but like really good at it because he focuses on it so hard at like practicing medicine and stuff like that. And he kind of became like, even though he was still the butt of the jokes, he kind of started taking care of everybody at the circus and was like their medical practitioner in a way. And um, Frankenstein comes along and in search of animal body parts, does not get that. But he stumbles upon Igor and there was an accident during a show that Igor ended up taking care of uh, somebody. And they, uh, and it was this woman named Lorelai. And this is one thing that I found really cool in the movie and I wanted to point this out. This... This movie definitely can can be can be compared to a lot of other ones, and this one to me felt very Sherlock Holmesy, in a way. Not so much like with fighting and stuff or like predicting things, but the way the way it kind of broke down, like where it would zoom in on a piece of like the broken bone, or, yes, and kind of explain internally, visually what's happening mm-hmm. as the narrator is explaining outwardly what's happening. Yeah, it was it was very freaking cool that. It, it looked at it. Everything was very sketchbook, very almost. Um, who was it? Like a doctor. Da Vinci, like Leonardo notes. Da Vinci drawings and stuff like that. And it was drawings that Igor had copied or done as he was studying people and learning about the human anatomy. And that's how he saw the world in a way was as the drawings and stuff like that. Very very cool visual effects, and a very very smart fun choice. And uh, Frankenstein recognized how he was seeing the world and he was like, you're cool. I like you come with me. And then he ends up breaking him out that night. Although I will say that I noticed that too, about them using those vibes and, you know, the, you know, anatomy and like the journal esque notes and stuff. But it really seemed like they used it a lot in the beginning of the movie and at the the very end of the movie. And they really missed, if that's really like how he was seeing the world, they could have done a bit more. Um, to jump forward way, like, when he was attacked in that one scene. Like, it could have, I don't know. There's just a lot of places that they could have put that in there more. Yeah, and you actually saying this, I was actually thinking it at the end of the movie. I was like, wow, it's been a long time since, since we've seen that. this that was yeah. supposed to be a big part of his life. This and Victor Frankenstein kind of saw the world this way, too. Yeah. Because it was, at the end, the the drawing, the sketch style, the the looking at the journals was... Frankenstein's point of view. Yeah. Even though Igor was there, it, it still follows him. There's instances that they could have done it well and, and added yeah. more. Because it kind of stopped after we, we get to a point where... They're kind of a, on a team. Yeah, Frankenstein kind of lets him in on what he's doing and stuff like that, and we see some dead man's eyeballs. Uh, <clears throat> and he after that point, he's, like, studying the body and stuff, and it kind of shows flashes of those journal pages, and that's about yeah. it. And that's where they stop showing it for a solid hour. Which, I'm like you, they kind of fell short on that. Which, it was just a cool effect. It didn't really affect the story, per se, but artistically, it was it very It was one cool. thing that it was intentional that it reined you in, and it's like, well, dang, rein me in with that, but continue to do the visual effect that I enjoyed. Yeah, it's like, wow, I wish you would have wish you would have kept going with that. So, and actually, that um, trying to understand how people see the world and stuff like that, speaking of general good science fiction... Um, you wanted me to try to explain the mirror thing as Frankenstein is breaking, breaking Igor, Igor out. out of the, the area. They go to like a funhouse area and I didn't know if it was like because of the funhouse mirrors specifically or if it was just mirrors and light. 
yes and no. So the way it works, based on what little I understand of optics, um, I can't ex- I can't explain the exact science to you. But when you have illumination on a reflective surface, which this in this case it was a pane of glass, it actually wasn't a mirror. So I don't know if it was like the barricade for the edge of the funhouse, or if it was like the, all of the mirrors were like that. They're just yeah. like intentionally just a little bit transparent just to let you be able to see through instead of like a distorted mirror funhouse it could have just been like one of those where you just it's a maze and i think that's what it was it was very mazy and it's like once you get too close to something once you get too close to one of those panes of glass that's when it becomes reflective and less translucent and you can't see as much through it and you run into it and you realize you've hit a wall and i think that's what happened here so when dr frankenstein increased the illumination he used an oil lamp to increase the light in there and it kind of pulled the the Jurassic Park vibes where she was pulling down the drawer and the, then the raptor charged the reflection instead of her because it looked just like it. I think that's what was happening is as he increased the illumination, the the translucency dropped and it appeared to be more opaque. And that's why they got through the knife with the reflection because he couldn't perceive it as a reflection. It looked opaque. And then, of course, the glass shattered and killed the guy who was the not bus boy. That almost made sense. I'm glad it almost made sense. 85%. Okay. Like, it, it translated in, like, mental images. I get what you're saying. Okay, so think of, like, my front window, like, the way my house works. Okay. My glass, it's completely see-through. It's not even translucent at all. Okay. So we have illumination like in my house. Like, whenever it's nighttime and you can't see out, but they And that light in. turns off, and we can see outside once that light turns off. So he turned the light on. To make it so that you couldn't see through it. To make it, he turned away. And see, on. like, think about it when my lamp is on and then it turns off. We yeah. can now see outside. You okay. can't see outside while my lamp is on, but when the lamp turns off and I still have the window open, the, the blinds open, you can see through it. Nice tricks. Exactly. I like that. So using optics to his advantage. Science fiction. There you go. But not, this is actual not science fiction. Fi- yeah, this it's, is it's... edge of fantasy. Yeah. That's, that's almost a genre, this edge of fantasy. <laughs> That's where we'll meet in the middle. Yes. So, yeah, I hope that made sense. Uh, That's how Dr. Frankenstein ends up getting him out. And that is what leads them to be investigated for murder, even though they could tell it was manslaughter. Hold on. You're skipping an important scene. After they break him out, he transforms. Oh, I just had that. He has a beauty moment. Absolutely. That needs to be talked about. A beauty moment, quote unquote. Why did they take the time to break this man's spine to to make him not a hunchback anymore? Chiropracting him. (laughs) He did chiropract him. And then, you know, shaved his face, washed him, a bunch of dirt came off. Made a point to cut his hair only for him to flip his hair up like a real dramatic, like, I don't know, Maybelline ad. And, yeah. (laughs) And then, lo and behold, we have Lord Farquaad. Not the gumdrop buttons. And I really, he I was, was hoping that he would learn to, like, style it better. It stays that way through the whole film. If you're expecting, if you're looking at this, if you're coming into this movie like, man, I loved Harry Potter. He was my crush growing up. I'm going to watch all Daniel Radcliffe's films. And he's in this and he's going to be looking so great. I bet his hair is great. Nope, no. hair is not it. That's definitely... Uh, You're going to be disappointed on so that bad. And even when, like, it only looked good once it got wet at the very end when we're at the castle and it's like the big open air castle. Once it got wet and started curling up, that's when it looked fine. 
it was okay there. It was just like long curly hair. But yeah. the way he had it styled for the entirety of the movie, it was otherwise, uh, it was so Lord Farquaad. And that actually, the whole beauty moment. I'm, I'm a little bit judging whoever was responsible for that. Yeah, they hair and makeup. Makeup was great. Hair James was McAvoy's not. James McAvoy's hair was great. There wasn't a reason. There wasn't a reason for that to happen. Nope. And even um, Finnegan's hair was really nice. It was very, uh, it was very coiffed. Coiffed? Coiffed? Coiffed. Don't ask me like I know that word. <sighs> I don't know how to pronounce it. I always I said like coiffed, heard it, but, but it's, I think it's coiffed. Well, I just think of the quaffle like the Harry girl's Potter. wig was great. <laughs> probably wasn't curly. a wig. It was probably well. It was probably a combination. Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. The only reason I say that I think it's a wig is because she was in the show Harlots, and she did take off like a wig of hair. Mm, that's possible. It's like, hey, you're familiar with in these. That Go ahead and just show, put this though, on. So I don't know about this show or this time period. I don't even know if it's the same or similar. But anyway, uh, back we to the Daniel impressed. Radcliffe um, <laughs> beauty scene. This is what we were talking about, and that I think what was draining into the basin was milk. So Dr. Frankenstein looks at him, oh. and he's got like this reverse like back brace on, and he's got it strapped to his chest. And Igor's like, What are you doing? And they're doing this little ring around the rosy thing. And he, like, body slams him and just jabs this epidural-sized needle in this guy's it back. It was huge. It was massive. And, I mean, it was the 1890s, I think, is the actual but year. still, like, a freaking shift of turkey baster in his spine. It was awful. And it was, like, he was, like, yeah, you're a hunchback. Well, kind of one. You just have an abscess on your back. And he starts, like, draining this abscess. It's, like, the pain that this but kid was going through. But he did it like through. a freaking nose, Frida, and sucked it from a tube to get the airflow going and yeah he oh, definitely so caught gross. pus to the freaking mouth oh <coughs> it was so nasty it was it was gross so yeah definitely the medical stuff in this film was really nasty but very wow. cool uh, yeah and then we end up with the lord farquad haircut and stuff like that and then um then murder investigation then we delve into the murder investigation because it's next day yeah that was pretty much instantaneous Next day, we end up with Scotland Yard is looking, pretty much already looking into Dr. Frankenstein, and they just didn't have a name for the guy until now. Yes, they when are they connecting found, yeah. cases of these missing animal parts or these found animals missing their parts, you know. It was all dead animals, fortunately. He didn't kill yes. any animals that we know of. And that's actually why he was going to the circus, was to get, like, their dead animals' body parts and stuff like that. Because, and I mean... This might sound macabre. He had lost a lion's paw, a lioness's yeah, was... paw, the night that he had helped Igor escape. Yeah, and that's what pinned that guy on that scene. It's like, I don't know why they're related, but they're related. But anyway, so once they found the lion's paw, that's when it was like, it changed from, oh, this was manslaughter to put murder on the poster because we're looking for the other guy, pretty much. And it's like, well, why are you looking for the other guy? What is an animal? What is a dead animal's body part? Oh, that's this is what I was getting into. Like, the concept of, like, uh, using bodies for science. Like, I am totally not against it because it's like, I'm not using it anymore. So I don't get what the big deal is. But this Scotland Yard detective was, like, ultra-religious and uh, was kind of salty about the whole thing. And he was suspecting something and was angry that he was taking body parts from these animals. And um, after that, that's where kind of dr frankenstein involves igor with his science 
and starts giving him access to like all his textbooks and stuff like that. He's like, "This is all yours." Uh, oh, he by the way, you're, you're Igor. Eyes. Yeah, he gives him a name and he tells him that Igor went missing and he's like, "Yeah, he hasn't. He he's a drug addict. And he kind of disappeared for months at a time and he hasn't been back, so no one will question you." And gives him an identity and all that fun stuff. And then he introduces him to the science and shows him this dead man's eyes that's on this like weird little mesh grid in some sort of electrolytic jelly. I think he described it as like electroconductive jelly and um, gets them to start blinking, which is very interesting once they power it up and stuff like that. And which that actually reminded me of something that I, I showed Emma too. But there's this cool link if you just Google it, brain something like brain cells form eyes or something like that, you'll find something on lifescience.com where this little clump of brain cells has decided to start growing eyes that actually respond to stimuli. Very cool. Very gross. And that's exactly what I was thinking of when I was watching these dead man's eyes blink. It's still crazy that that's even real. Yeah, maybe I should share the link in the description because it is cool science. But it's just like, yeah, scientists kind of have been working with this clump of brain cells and we're like, let's see if we can get it to grow eyes. So they kind of, uh, they didn't like genetically modify it or anything, but they kind of coaxed it into forming eyes. Yeah, this brain straight up made little light responsive eyeballs. It was apparently easily convinced. <laughs> it's like, yes, I do want to you see. You want to tell me twice? <laughs> Shit, I've been born. I, I can't see nothing. I won't make one eyes. I'll make two eyes. <laughs> I know. It understood the assignment. <laughs> yes. It definitely understood the assignment. Meanwhile, uh, Frankenstein signed up for a bodybuilding competition. New, like, <laughs> Did not understand the assignment. Little brain with eyeballs. Yep. And it was just this little, it looks like a little sponge, like a little, little slime mold ball with two little black dots on it. It's cute. Oh, there goes my pen. That's okay. I'm clicking it anyway. So anyway, blinky eyeballs. And then Igor's like, um, you did it wrong. And then told him how to proceed to do it right. And, um. And that was a point, too, that, like, I was waiting. As I was watching that, you know, as most people would be, you'd be a little bit perturbed to, you know, walk up to a little glass case and see just, you know, some eyeballs blinking via mm-hmm. electricity. But... Igor's face was not, like, disgusted at all. Like, he was very much immediately interested and inspired and in awe. And Victor saw that and was like, oh, yeah. You are my type of people. Exactly. Let's get the ball rolling. Yeah, and I, I actually, now that you say that, once again, I, like, I literally wrote this down in my notes. Shows Igor some eyeballs that are three months old. Igor seems just as crazy, question mark? Literally. He That's was like, hell yeah, super excited about this. Absolutely all into it. And... For him, it truly was about the science. Like, he was just looking at the eyeballs and why they weren't responding properly. Yeah. They were because responding, just not right. fascinated by anatomy and about why the body does what it does. We go back to the... We're pretty much back and forth between the detective and, like, the Scotland Yard situation. And uh, Frankenstein and Igor working on this... Whatever the science is that Frankenstein still hasn't exactly told Igor what it is. He just keeps bringing him these nice, fresh, pretty, bloody organs that I have no idea where he's getting them from. Uh, presumably animals, based on what, what we end up seeing later on. But he brings in these nice, fresh animal organs and gets them all working and stuff like that. And the detective is actually keeping track of all these animal organs that are disappearing. And then finally... They get this nice little slot at the university. Uh, The Royal College of Medicine, I think, is the exact location. And they take this corpse. (laughs) 
this creation. And um, Dr. Frankenstein's all like, oh, you're not just my associate. You're my partner kind of thing. And he's like kind of playing that up a little bit, which he kind of reneges on that a little bit. It bothers me. But um, he takes his partner with him and they take this chimpanzee corpse that is filled with all these various animal organs and um they... the reason that he did that by the way is because he wanted him to be like hey you're partner level right now but notice that whenever they got up there his confidence in his public speaking and displaying it dropped so shouldering 50 50 with somebody like who's responsible for the project and they're in the project if it doesn't work it that's what that was that was a lack of self-confidence that was a i've got someone else here that i can pin this on if it doesn't work as well as i suck at public speaking which he pretty much says at the the college of medicine he was like it's just yeah, a, public speaking is not my forte of, lack of confidence in that situation it was because it was almost immediately thereafter that it was i don't need you mm-hmm pretty much yeah it was to suit him in that situation yes he to, was to give him a little bit of confidence there frankenstein throughout this whole movie was kind of a self-righteous fool and definitely a manipulator in everything that he did and it was for motives that that was the only thing for me at least that the movie kind of kept concealed for a long enough a suitable enough amount of time was the motive for why he was doing all of this. And once we got there, that's when I realized, okay, that's why he's kind of an asshole. It's because he really is just crazy. crazy. Yeah. And he's, he's obsessed with writing this wrong. And, uh, so back to the college, we, we charge up this little battery thing and get that monkey moving. And this monkey, they had tested it back at the lab and it just kind of started twitching and breathing and stuff like that. And then the, once they got it back under, like it was fully dead again, they took it to the college and they reignited it and got it alive, but like also not alive at the same time. Yeah. It was very much like it was unalive dead eyes, but it was definitely moving. Yep. And it was aggressive. It, this was one part that was really good as far as the, the jump aspect, like the jump scare. It was like, because we were expecting this it to go. This was the one part to me that was like a little bit thrilling. Yeah, this, this was the thriller moment. And it it was like we expected it to actually not go. I expected the thing to just lay on the table and just yeah, not, I not make it. Yeah, not work. And then it started breathing. It was before it was breathing. They, it, it, I was saying, out loud, I was saying it's going to jump scare me. I just like, I know it's going to jump scare me. And I wasn't expecting necessarily the monkey to jump up. It was just, I know that it's going to, like, twitch or it's going to try to surprise me. And flies burst out of this thing mm -hmm. where it had been dead additional days and laying there for additional days. And rotting more and just, yeah, it was, it was pretty gross. Then they jump scare you. And it again, does they jump, jump scare up. you again. It was the, the soft jump scare and then the hard jump scare. Because I, I really thought even after the flies, like, it just wasn't, it wasn't going to go anywhere. It's yeah, just going to lay there. Yeah, it was going to be and, embarrassing and they were going to leave. Exactly. But no, 100%, this monkey literally jumped up off the table and started, like, going nutso. Because, I mean, the, you have to imagine, this is the 1800s, the early, early 1900s, late 1800s, and it's like, 
sedation and painkillers are not as much of a thing as they are now. Well, and the damn thing had exposed bone. It, yes. It, like, half of its bones His was face just was hanging out. destroyed, like the, yeah. The sutures, like, it was like, you know those really, really fat pieces, like the big things of yarn that you see where people make those, like, really, really big blankets out of it? Like, they knit it with their arms as the needles, like big blankets. Mm-hmm. That's what they tried to use to sew up this. Like, why did they have such fat sutures? Very much, obviously, leaving such open wounds on these. And especially for guys. like professional. Well, a professional, like call it like a med, like a medicine student. Like, yeah. he should have done a lot better. And someone that practices medicine on the regular. That was rough. Like, that was pretty rough. Yeah, very, very ugly. Judging. Absolutely. It's like these guys are pros. They should like have perfect like plastic surgery sutures. You know the ones that you can't see when you yeah. pull them tight. I mean, it was literally still. It wasn't moving. You weren't. No. It wasn't fighting you. Nope, not till it woke up. And then poor Igor has to chase this thing throughout the entire freaking college. And they're trying to keep it like in a private wing, like where all these lecture halls are. It's like in a private area, and it's like tracking and bleeding and dropping flies and destroying things and, and sparking everywhere that it goes. It's just absolutely leaving a mess. And we end up having to re-kill it. Uh, Frankenstein is like, Gordon, Gordon. And, and Igor's like, help me. I'm the I'm one in danger. The, I'm going to fall 10 stories. Like, so, yeah. pull me up. Yeah, he manages to pull them up and uh, smashes Gordon's head in. And once again, these guys are professional doctors and Frankenstein, professional-ish. And Frankenstein knows that he's being hunted for, you know, harvesting these organs and stuff. He knows Scotland Yard's after him. And he left a blood stain in the staircase where they re-killed the monkey. Why would you leave this massive blood stain? Like, I understand having to clean up and get out of there as fast as possible. I would do. Not smart, y'all. Two doctors. Or, you know, aspiring. Yeah. The smart people that are excellent at their craft of medicine should have known to clean up, at the very least, the blood stain on the staircase. (laughs) I don't know why, but I feel like that, like, past, like, minute between us was, like, trying to hit a word count. Like, I'll text somebody and realize Cusco's that said, poison. Like, the poison for Cusco. You know, things like that just added. Because I, I was kind of getting stuck there for a second. I had to pause myself. Yeah, it was, a, it was a big run-on sentence. But it was hard to keep track of all that, so. And then he caught up with... Oh, I forgot about... um. Whenever he had caught up with the monkey and he was like, all right, don't go in there. And then he was like, oh my god. I caught it, and now it's coming at me. Yep. That turning like, scene was so funny to me. Like, just like he was super confident coming at him, and then he was like, not confident, not confident. Nope, not anymore. And that monkey was terrifying. I can't imagine the diseases that thing carried. <sighs> well, he was like, it's 80% chimp, and then it was like, part of it was like a, a pig leg or something, and like just a bunch of random crap on it. They had to fill in the, the gaps where they could. Okay, so then... We have somebody that stayed in the lecture hall after all the chaos had ended and it's like they right before the thing um got up off the table they all like ditched they're like this is stupid and uh, finnegan was the only one that stayed and he ended up like flanagan whatever flanagan finnegan something it starts with an f and ends with again so f again (laughs) so finnegan (laughs) finnegan stuck around and was like you know what i'm gonna fund you guys 
Because you all need funding, right? Because immortality. Yes, and that's exactly what I said right out. Right as soon as he was looking at that, he wasn't seeing science. He was seeing an empire. He was seeing a permanent legacy, never really dying, staying alive forever until you, you know, you died and then you had to be revived again. That's me, though. Put me in a jar somewhere. (laughs) Plug me into a computer. Like. That would be cool. Keep me plugged into the wall under all circumstances. You would forget to charge yourself, though. Be like, can you plug me in, please? That's what Kenny's for. I don't remember. That's assuming, you know, he outlives you. Everyone knows it, though. This is my, this is, everybody knows my, my, my plans. Keep me alive because science could fix it tomorrow. So don't, don't forget know. to plug her in. Plug me in. Even if she forgets to ask you, plug her in every night. Um, so from there, that's when things kind of start to unravel a lot. Um... We end up seeing Charles Dance, actually, who is very clearly Victor Frankenstein's father. And he sees Igor and he's like, I thought you were a little, little, little slimmer the last time I saw you or something like that. It's been three years, right? Or something like that. And it's like, hold up. How does, how does, you know, Baron Frankenstein, I think that's what he's credited as, Baron Frankenstein know who Igor is because Igor was in the circus like where did he come from so immediately you're asking the question it's how does Mr. Frankenstein know Igor does he not have the ability to tell them apart like is he is he that you know um, disconnected yeah that disconnected I couldn't think of the word you used from his son's life and stuff you know that he can't even tell who's who so you know pompous and stuck up in himself and he's like oh you're poor I don't know who you are Something that stuck out to me, though, when Igor had answered the door earlier before that, instead of asking who was there or, you know, like, what was it that he said? Like, it's Frankenstein here or whatever. His response was, that's not convenient at the moment. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was the Scotland Yard he coming in and interrogating. He didn't say yes or no to, like, him being there, and that is super genius. Because he's like, is, Frank, is Victor here or whatever? Or I, I want to see him. That's not convenient at the moment. I'm going to start using that for everything. (laughs) Nothing is ever convenient at the moment. It's not. Like, I literally wrote that down and was like, I need (laughs) to remember that because that is an inspiring quote that's not convenient at the moment. Yeah. Oh, don't. I think next is Finnegan's project. Well, actually, that's what you just said. That is the next part. The Scotland Yard actually kind of comes in and kindly asks. Before his dad came. Mm Mm-mm. Oh, no, I do. You're right. I have bits and pieces. Because it's like everything goes back and forth between Scotland Yard, Frankenstein. Scotland Yard, Frankenstein. That's pretty much the, the format I was of the like movie. On the, I was on the Scotland Yard on this page, and that's what I was waiting for. And then I was like, wait, where's the dad? So, and that, the, the next part that I got into it, it was talking about the warrant and stuff, trying mm-hmm. to get the warrant. So the Scotland Yard comes in and basically kindly asks Frankenstein to search the premises. And he's like, nah, screw y'all. I'm that's all about science. That's not convenient. And um, Scotland Yard is like, you're messing with the laws of nature and the order of, you know, how God created us. So it was religion against science and it was kind of ugly. And um, yeah. And he was like, well, unless you have a warrant, you can't search my facilities. And that's where we're ending up after Dr. Frankenstein's father comes to visit. Um, we, we see Scotland Yard is trying to obtain one. And um even and this is where I was like the whole concept of this like the ethical issues and stuff like that like even as a religious person 
you know, and I mentioned it earlier, like I'm dead. I'm not using those body parts. If he wants to use them for science, who gives a flying fart? Like, I don't care. Oh yeah. Keep me alive until you like absolutely can't. But then once I'm gone, you know, like. Yeah. My soul doesn't care about those body parts. It's just, they're just there. They're just taking up space. So why not use them for something, you know, interesting or, or fascinating? Like I would love for my. What organs in me are good, but if there's any, you know, somebody can have them. My eyes and lungs are not great, but if someone wants to use like my, my right thumb for something, go right ahead and give people a thumbs up with my right thumb. Sounds great. I can't think of a single part of me that don't hurt. So I don't Um, know. I mean, I I have have really thick hair. Like I've so scalp a scalp transplant great somebody have I, hair yeah everybody will grow very long hair nice can, curly mane I didn't grow it out in two years so. Mm-hmm. so you can give your hair and I will actually I can donate my shoulders because I have um I have what are they called hyperflexible people call it double yes. jointed you actually don't have four joints in That's each, like in one your of my shoulders favorite skills that you have <laughs> I have hyperflexible shoulders and if my if my hands are like connected but not like bound so like if i was in handcuffs or like if i'm using like a ponytail or something but like i can actually take my arms in a complete circle around my entire body either direction so like if i have handcuffs on i could be like i could take my hands over my back and bring them forward or take them so cool and then take them and put them back be like give the give the officers half hours i have a video do you actually somewhere i haven't shown my brother-in-law he wanted to see it and i'm like it actually really because i haven't done it in so long the last time that you had done it he was like that really hurts yeah i was like glad i recorded that yeah if i don't practice it regularly it it hurts bad but then if i do it too regularly then my my joints become hyper flexible and it's like they stretch out all the time my knees do that every time that i start getting back into yoga like, I'll be stretching on my joints, and that's finally, like, cool. And it's like your knee just decides it, to go yeah, the wrong like, way. I will start, like, falling all of the time. And I'm like, this is not <laughs> normal. <laughs> like, I'm doing things that are supposed to be helping me, and I will, like, start my knee will start locking up the opposite way, and, like, right. I fall all the time. And Katie's like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, just doing do too it. much yoga. So, yeah, they'd have my shoulders and your hair for science, and I would not give a, a crap. So religious nut is, is coming after him, and really wanting to say you're doing the devil's work and he's like i'm just doing science and quite honestly i agree with frankenstein in this case he is just doing science and i mean if he's he's hurting dead bodies who cares because the dead bodies don't feel anything until you reanimate them i guess i will point out that i also made a note to say what in the hell was the dance that they were doing at the ball? <laughs> yes. I said, make a point to roast Daniel Radcliffe's dancing. And also, he was very comparable to the guy from Frozen that danced with Anna that danced like a chicken. Like, that's what I was looking at. I'm going to put Talk about two... Hans? No, 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 no. The old man with the toupee. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was the, the same scene to me. The guy from Wesselton? Yes. I'll need to put up, like, a side-by-side comparison. It's pretty bad. If you could find a gif of both of those, do it. Please do. That's what I was watching. I was like, this is that guy. They stole that choreography. It was so derpy. They straight up could have done better on that. He was so high for no reason. Like, he was, like, really And it could have been that is an 1800s dance. It's very possible. They could have picked any 1800s (laughs) dance. They could have done so much better. They got one flaw that they could have had the hair or the dance they could not give him both <laughs> but they gave him both so we were stuck with both 
So, <laughs> so after we get to the point where the after the whole ethical fight and stuff like that, which I would I totally would debate with people, and and fight for Frankenstein's right in this case, um, they try to get a warrant, and basically they're like, yeah, we can't get a warrant because he didn't do anything yet. We don't even have evidence of him actually stealing the organs from you know the zoo and stuff like that. Because that's the only thing they could get him for was theft. And he's like, there's no evidence of foul play. And he's like, but there was blood on the stairs. How can you not tell me that there was not foul play? Mama. So Poop kind of hits the fan here. And Scotland Yard goes escape. goes in without a warrant and kind of does. It looks like he had like a citizen's arrest set up where he went in and didn't tell. Like people were starting to pull the boards down and stuff from this apartment complex where he's like kind of commandeered the whole building to make this lab. And he's starting to destroy all his equipment and stuff after... Uh, Igor has had this wonderful night and this crazy dance with Lorelai and um, the laying down dance the, yeah the, the bed dance which they don't show that's why it's PG-13 and Igor comes back to Scotland Yard Daniel Radcliffe's seductive shoulders yes his, his, back ultra, brace. his ultra pale seductive shoulders and his, his crazy chiropractic brace hey, give me one of those it might feel good honestly my back hurts so bad they don't want my back. That is for sure. 10 out of 10. Do not recommend this back. Big escape. Yep. Um, and we end up fighting with the guy from Scotland Yard that doesn't have a warrant. And Frankenstein blows up all his stuff. Escapes I with Igor. And he lost a hand. Yeah, I don't know when he lost that hand. I got confused there. But the only thing I can think of is because I, I was taking the, notes. I saw the blood on his like I saw him holding his bloody wrist, I guess, but I did not see him actually losing anything or whatever. No, I have no clue. What I the think what was. happened there was there was a scene where um, Turpin is the name of the detective. We haven't said it this whole time. Turpin is holding Frankenstein like up against one of the gears, and somehow Frankenstein must have wrestled him free and smashed like his hand in the gears into it. Yeah, and it was, they're big gears. It's not like this little rinky-dink, like, watch gears. Like, yeah. these are giant pieces of machinery and power power producers and stuff like that. And smashed all his fingers. Like, pretty much down to that would have done it, a though. stump. Yeah, no. And in the 1890s, that was pretty much irreparable. You lost your hand, man. It's gone. Yeah. You're lucky you've got your wrist still. So, he ends up um, being dismissed from Scotland Yard for illegally entering, and he basically is told that he needs to seek psychiatric help, and then they'll come back and reevaluate later. So, he kind of disappears for a hot minute, and then, of course, Igor and Frankenstein are running from the law, and um, Finnegan offers them a place to stay and a place to conduct their science, and Igor's like, LOL, nah, I'm out, because this is dangerous. I don't want to be a fugitive. I'm done with this. I'm here for the science and nothing else. And Frankenstein's like, but I made you. And this is where he kind of gets into being a self-righteous prick. Yeah, and he, well, he, he tries to manipulate him. Yeah, the night before. And he ain't giving that up. Exactly. And I, I can understand that, I guess. You know, like he had a great experience, I guess. Nice first time. He was starting to get, he, he it was the, it was the prospect of being able to build a life. Yeah. That's what that symbolized for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wanted to stick around. And Finnegan was like, okay, that's fine. And he let Frankenstein go and then bagged and tagged Igor behind his back and threw him into a river. Yeah, he said, you know too much and no one is going to miss you, so good Because you literally didn't have an identity and your actual identity has been discovered because when they were destroying the factory or, or the lab or whatever, 
um, Igor's body end up getting rolled out. And that's where you find out that that's who the eyes belong to. And he, Frankenstein did not kill Igor, but Igor had died of a drug overdose. So he, he that's why he knew Igor wasn't coming body. back. Yes and no. But once again, back to the ethical issue of I'm not using the eyes. So go ahead. Yeah, but. Shoot, Igor wasn't using say, his brain. You gotta say whether or not it's okay before you die. Okay, but. Other than that. It's Igor tampering. was a drug addict. <laughs> Well, he still gets to decide whether or not he wants his body tampered with. Eh, okay, fair enough. But I don't think he cared at that point because he, he was dead. I guess he did get some more use out of his eyes that way. At least three months. Yep. He got to see a little bit more, even if it was, you know, out of sync because the nerves were all messed up. That's more than I've seen clearly at all this year. <laughs> Five pairs of glasses. Don't know where not a single through, pair is right now. Uh, electroconductive jelly. More like Momo hair in my eye every morning. <laughs> Get the soupy eyeballs. So Igor somehow, because he's like a he's like a circus crony, like he knows how to get out of ropes and he just kind of weasels his way out. They didn't even tie a weight to him or nothing. They just like tied his hands behind his back and, and just threw him in the river. And he's like, I know how to get out of this and just kind of gets his way out and then finds his way back to Lorelei. And this leads me into um, one thing that I really enjoyed. And I mentioned it to you during the movie is the commitment that they had to making sure that the abscess scarring was there throughout the whole movie. Yeah. Anytime he was shirtless, he always had like, you know, a gilly back because all the wrinkles and stuff. That's the only way I can describe it. It looked like gills on his back, but it's where the abscess had skin and it was healing and shrinking. Yeah. It was just loose skin that was all wrinkly and nasty. It would have taken a long time for it to, to stretch back to its (laughs) normal, you know, elasticity. And he did still have, you know, like a, he had like the a raised hunch, shoulder, yeah, like where he is. from where the muscles had adapted to walking the way that he did. Yes, and he still wore the back brace every day. You know, and like they appreciate the, that consistency. Yes, that's a good word for it. the The consist- consistency of the makeup, definitely the the prosthetic of the scarring was fantastic. Nice detail. Hair department, you didn't do so great, but on the makeup department, you did awesome. Sorry, makeup and hair department, because I know you're kind of combined. Um. And then that's another point, actually, when he's at Lorelai's and she's like, what are you doing? He basically ruined you like he he's manipulated you. And he's like, look, I didn't have a life before this guy. And he he kind of has like this weird, like, you know, Vampire Diaries sire bond with him where he feels that he owes something to him forever for literally giving him a life. And honestly, I can see why. And Lorelai at this point could have made the decision to be like, well, it's him or me. And understandably i understood why she would have said that like Mm -hmm. it's reasonable because we were expecting it yeah that was a very expected decision and she looked at him and she was like (laughs) you could tell she didn't want to because she doesn't like frankenstein but because she liked igor so much and she understood that igor was trying to be a good friend and save his friend victor from whatever was going on yeah he said he needs me she wouldn't let him go alone and mad respect for her i i loved that she made a unexpected but definitely a respectable decision yeah, it there. was she supported him mm-hmm. that and was 100 the right way to do that yep she wasn't supporting victor she was supporting <clears throat> igor and igor was supporting frankenstein so that was very cool um from there where do we end up we pretty much end up know, at the I'm castle right page. do you have a page up there not that i'm aware of oh Why it's down we... here oh that's unfortunate hold on I found my page. 
so Lorelai and Igor end up in the carriage and they, they make it to like the gates of this place. And she distracts like the, the guards to let Igor in as he kind of, you know, scampers through the forest. Well, Turpin shows up too. So he's also there, but he doesn't hurt her. Thank goodness. We thought that Lorelai was going to die, but ultimately seeing all the motives when they come to light together in this last scene, everybody had their own motives. I don't think that Turpin ever had the intent to kill any of them except for Frankenstein and only not because he wanted to, to kill him. him. It was to, to stop, stop him from doing bad things. And I get that. And he did debate with him like 50 times trying mm-hmm. to get him to stop beforehand before he thought that he needed to have, you know, force brought down. Yeah. And that's a good point too. That That is a good point that he really did try to stop him in every way he could diplomatically and it wasn't working. He was hell bent on continuing this science and he wasn't wrong because um it definitely blew up in his face yeah sure did among other things it blew up in a lot of places so finnegan is here for immortality we already know that igor is there to help his friend victor to save him from just making bad decisions in general not that he's against what was going on but he just knew it wasn't going to end well and we find out while we're there when Igor finds Victor that he feels responsible for his brother's death. There's a pocket watch that he had, he had like dropped or something like that. And in the conversation that um, Victor and his father had been having, this guy named Henry was mentioned and Igor figured out that Henry went out to protect his brother, Victor and ended up dying in a blizzard. And somehow Victor, he was like, why was I the one that ended up alive? And he blamed himself for quote unquote, killing his brother and his whole purpose for doing all of this. And we find out that the body that is up on the, basically up on the, you know, the little mesh basket that's up in the sky. That's not a table and was hanging by 72 ropes. Very stupid design. If you ask me. And yeah, especially after the rope started snapping, snapping, he was swinging around like a pinata (laughs) and shocking everything because he was fully charged. But anyway, the most of the body, I assume it wasn't the whole body because they had to basically build a bigger man that could hold energy like that they needed to bring him to life. They, it was the pretty much the face and the, the brain of Henry. And he was trying to bring back the life that he took. And then we find out. Also, if it was the face and the brain of Henry. Presumably. He was, as I said, if he was 10, he would have had to harvest it at 10. You know what? That's a good point. Or he grave robbed. But I don't know. That would have been like 15 years, though, at least. Because they were college kids. College aged. Possible plot hole. That is a pretty good plot hole. Cause or possible. I, and I'm not sure that it actually said that it was or wasn't Henry. But why else would he... What else? At least, if nothing else, the brain. But, like, the face of his brother, like, that... I don't know why he would use anything else if he was wanting to bring back his brother. Like that was his whole motive was to, he wanted to redress what he had done and that was killing Henry. Quote unquote. I think that it was more, but he, he had said it, it wasn't really about bringing his brother back to life. It was about creating life because he had taken a life for his brother, but it wasn't about bringing, but it, it's odd. Because but he, he did was, walk up to him and he was like, my brother, Henry. So something in there was Henry's. Whether it was his heart or whether it was I his brain. I don't think so because as soon as, like, he didn't He was expecting him to recognize him. Remember? I think that maybe he was thinking maybe after he brought a body to life, maybe his brother's soul would be back 
It just, he needed something that was breathing. Right. And maybe he registered, okay, he's not in there. If I just make life, like, it won't just automatically come back. But I don't think he actually used anything of Henry's. And see, like, to me, that's a huge plot hole because, once again, I mean, his brother being, like, you know, because I missed the detail how old they were. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make sense that he walked up to that Frankenstein's monster but that's and thing. was expecting you're him to so, recognize you're him. You're too logical about it. And he wasn't logical. He wasn't right-minded thinking for all of that. He was emotional. He's distraught. He's damaged. And he's thinking in a sick and twisted way. Yeah. And maybe he was just kind of talking ambiently. To Henry. Because he did, like, exclaim multiple times, like, oh, Henry, or my brother Henry. I don't think, it, I think it was just, like. Yeah, it's just hard for me, because, like, just the way it was it was portrayed, it looked like he was expecting that thing, even if there was, like, maybe an eyeball from his brother. He was expecting something in that thing to recognize him. I think he him. was expecting, like, a soul. Maybe. To, like, embody or become he- part. And that, that may be something where we differ, where we interpret it differently once, yeah. you know. It's just, it doesn't make sense for him to be, for the actions that I saw to be any other way. Something in that body was expected you to. You can't make sense of it. I know, and I can't, and maybe that's just you what it is. You can't make sense of someone. Cause you've this got is a, just a plot hole for me. Of, yeah, if, and then just like a plot hole, just, just a, a person's differing action. Just not everyone's can have the logic behind it. He just, it's irrational. Yeah. And that's for you guys to decide, too. Because, I mean, we were taking notes during this, so it is possible that both of us missed a detail that said or he did or did not use a body part or said, I'm not expecting my brother to be in there, but I'm wanting his forgiveness kind of thing. Even though that is something that was implied, then I don't remember them ever explicitly saying, I'm not trying to bring Henry's soul back. I just want to bring a soul back. I I didn't catch that anywhere. Either way. It, it felt like, to me, like, whatever they was having the conversation, because he, he had said, he was like, this isn't going to uh, change things. Igor right. was like, it's not going to fix it. And he was like, I need to give life. So maybe that's what he was saying. Like, is, he, because that, that's how I, it felt to me. Like, that's why it was, it felt like it was portrayed. That and way. He, he was, was just like, talking to the. He was like, the, no, it's bigger than that. I need to give life. I yeah. took life. I need to give it. And he was just talking to the memory of his brother. Was, Man, have a baby. Like, if it's that big a deal, like. <laughs> that's true. That's a good point gonna have at least some of what the dna your brother would have had anyway like yeah and that's that is a way to create life or at least donate life henry and move on this whole thing could have been avoided yeah find yourself a girl do that courtship that you were making fun of uh igor for and then you know just make yourself a new new henry would make his dad happy because he did compare him to Henry, which was sad. It's like a little, little and that's also why I thought they were older. I think that people do that pretty much now, anyway. Ugh, that's sad. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to get into the topic of that because that is sad. But well, I'll start. Yep, we're just gonna drop that dead. That's just gonna stop. <laughs> I also wrote a note about a metal nipple because there's a scene, and if you're watching it and you think about it beforehand, maybe you'll also see it. But like when the monster first like gets up mm-hmm. it really looks you mean like when he first breaks out of the mesh basket nipples he probably does but oh that's where it the, was a charge thing but it didn't show his nipple because it was panning up mm-hmm. so i was like why a metal nipple and that's then what... a second later his nipple shows up and i was like oh what was it called okay. like the something fork it was a, some kind of fork and it was the conductors for yeah. where the like the points were where they hooked him up but yeah i could see why you'd think yeah, that they would look like nipples now that says metal nipple 
question mark metal nipple? Um, yeah, so this whole scene where we're in the castle, like I said, we, we reveal all these motives. Oh, um, before we get too far, we'll talk more about the, uh, the whole rope and basket system. So like more, most of these Frankenstein movies, like you see at least like a roof or something or like a table on the roof or like a, like an elevated bed or something like that. Even Van Helsing, like it, something that this creature is strapped to that's secure and won't fall through the center of this castle. (laughs) They suspended him up like a like a Etsy string art. Like they just <laughs> he was struggling. He was he was like in a fishing basket. Like he wasn't in anything like like a search and rescue basket. Like they get like you know for the lifeguards and stuff or uh, excuse me the coast guards. Huge difference there. And then all the designs, all the stuff that they had to do. To they literally designed this human, human that came to life. Yes, and, and, and they sustained it. Design. A way to suspend him in the air. That would not harm other people or collapse or snap or anything. No, just straight or up. swing him around. A few ropes will be fine. It's, it's okay. Forget the fact that he probably weighs 300 pounds of pure muscle. I said it in the first scene of the movie and I said it at the end. Why in the hell did they use those ropes? <laughs> it really was. It was just this little little fish basket. Top illogical with this, moment for the movie Yeah, with this 6-7 guy that's a, a massive muscle. Yeah, they've done... Tons they've and tons of electricity. This man is big as hell to where he needs two fucking hearts. And four lungs. But he's going to not... How would it not pull his skin off? I don't understand. The weight of him. If he's this big, they, they laid on the floor next to the model. He was like a seven and a half foot tall man. And he was robust. Big guy. I mean, like you said, he had to have Ron Perlman. <laughs> getting swung around like no, a let's pinata. Forget, like, Andre the Giant, man. Ain't no reason. How big is Ron Perlman? I want to say he's, he's not that big, but he's a he's a rotund dude as far as muscle. By um, the way, busboy's name is Lee Ingleby. That's a very British name. Sounds like his name. Jesus would be Christ, Lee Ron Perlman is seventy-one years old. He is old. I follow him on Instagram. Oh, I follow him on Instagram. What? I didn't know that. I follow Doug Jones. He is six foot one, so he's not a small guy, but he's he's big. Like he's built big. Yes. So imagine Ron Perlman, but like with an extra foot and a half. And proportional too, like yeah. big boy. Thanos. Let me look up. <laughs> Which look up that's Thanos actually height. Thanos. That's different because that's actually what is it? Is it Josh Brolin? That's the face but of Thanos. Look up Thanos versus also look up Hellboy because Hellboy's stature was what I was. He's like seven foot, and yeah. I bet he's I bet he's seven and a half. He foot. had like platform boots on for that, right? That film or something. Yeah. Let me look up the actual character actor that did. I'm gonna look up Hellboy's height. Yeah, you look up Hellboy and Thanos, and I'm going to look up the guys that portrayed the monster. Because this guy was like, he was actually physically, once again, makeup department did a great job. This guy was Hellboy physically... Hellboy is 6'11 and 396 pounds. Thanos is... So one six, of the seven. guys... You also have to consider James McAvoy is very small. <laughs> so in saying that, one of the guys, because it, it was two different guys that portrayed the monster... Uh, one of them is six, six and a half, which is massive. And the other guy is six, nine. So these are big guys in real life portraying someone that's supposed to be actually larger. But because James McAvoy is only five, seven, it works out quite nicely. 
that they but are that height. But now what's even funnier is that the body wasn't actually that big, and they had to add <laughs> a ridiculous amount of organs to this body. So they're putting, like, quadruple the number of organs in this body yeah, that's actually like a decent... Four lungs, 18 gallbladders. <laughs> All of the appendices. That's that's a pretty standard human size. I mean, that's a little bit large, the second one was, but the first one, six, six and a half, that's not unheard of. They made it sound like, how? Like, whenever, we've got, there's a book. It's like this dinosaur fact book. And it's like, we don't know how, you know, half of the sauropods was able to eat because their heart would have had to weigh like 4,000 kilograms for it to have been big (laughs) enough to pump the blood in their body to be able to let them lift their head. And I'm like, how are y'all mathing this? Like... I just don't understand. Like, that's the same kind of math in my brain that I feel like is being depicted here. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think he actually needed four lungs. I think that was an overshot. Did they just, like, I wonder if uh, Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy were just, like, just coming up with numbers and, like, the whole flathead thing. Like, they just threw it out there. They were drunk as hell, and they kept the plans. It was like, yeah. Yep. And he had the flathead. head. gold. Yeah. I mean, it was gold, if you think about it. All of it was just absolutely wonderful. <laughs> it turned out perfectly. Monster was great. You know, had a soul when he came to life. Yeah, it was great. Um, they frolicked at the end. Yep. Tiptoe through the tulips. Mm-hmm. Um, friend good, you know. So the last motive, back to the actual story and away from plot holes and bad science. The last motive that we see actually comes from Detective Turpin. Which is why he was such, he he was religious in a way, but also he was very understanding of the, the permanence of death and why it's permanent. Because it's like, in a way, he's he had lost his wife to a type of cancer, which I mean, back then they didn't know exactly what it was, but he was just like, it was a malign growth that killed her. And he's like, and she's basically, she's surpassed the pearly gates and I, I want to join her someday. And it's like he was kind of okay with the concept of dying. Like he was afraid of dying in general, but he was okay with the concept of dying because he had hope that he would see his wife again. And that kind of plays into what happened with revivifying these these body parts, you know. There's a body that's standing there, and Frankenstein sees this. There's a body that's standing there, and it's alive, and it's breathing, and its heart is beating. But there's nothing inhabiting it. It's just basically just an animal. It's... Even that, it's not even an animal per se, because the the chimpanzee also had no, you know, emotional responses or anything. It was like pain, bad, grr kind of thing. And that's that's what happened with this monster, too, when Detective Turpin started shooting it. Its only motive was reactive. Yes, it was only reactive. There was no motion. Even when Frankenstein was approaching it, like, he wasn't afraid of it. He wasn't angry at him. He wasn't, like... Um, happy to see him like he had like Frankenstein had expected I had expected him to be in pain already and it was going to be ugly you know but that did not happen he was just standing there he just was kind of just standing like he he was was very robotic until shot yeah and as soon as he had been shot and had been hurt the monster you know picks up Frankenstein and kind of chucks him he doesn't really care what happens to him but he wasn't the one that hurt him so he immediately started marching over to you know Scotland Yard guy and kills him and the the end of the movie is them basically repeating the process with the the chimpanzee with, with gordon. gordon they were trying to re-kill I him i was just talking about gordon ramsey <laughs> 
I feel like there was something else that I was just talking about recently that came up in this movie. And I mentioned it to you during the movie. And now I feel bad for not remembering it. Not about Gordon Ramsay? No, not about Gordon Ramsay. But I do see him all the time. So you've watched my master class on how to make egg toast. Freaking delicious. It's raw. <laughs> I love Gordon Ramsay. I love, and there's so many memes about it too, but like Gordon Ramsay for um, adult, like, what is it? Master Chef or whatever. Oh, yeah. He's so aggressive and mean and like he's cussing him out all the time. And then he's like, it's all right. We can fix this. Let me just show you how. You know, he's like coddling them and praising them, which is understandable in a way because, you know, kids are a little more malleable than adults. I like whenever um, there's always like commercials or videos or whatever, like with him and his daughters, and they're like, ah, we prefer our mom's cooking. Like they roast him. His oh, kids they're roast great. Him all the time. They're so funny. Yep. To be fair, their mom's cooking is probably simpler. And I also appreciate that he lets his wife cook if that's the, if that's the case. Unless they're just roasting him for kicks and giggles. Yeah, that probably way. Probably all. Back to the movie. Because we could talk about Gordon Ramsay forever, I'm sure. I love some of his stuff. I watch his TikTok sometimes. What are you? An idiot sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. That's, it's just great. Oh, it was a, that was a meme or something. It was like, there's just some people that you know can fight. Gordon Ramsay's one of them. Ain't nobody talked to nobody that confidently like the way he does unless you can fight. Mm-hmm. So, somebody's confident that he's got hands to back it up. And the, the end of the movie kind of, it turns out really well if it can. Um, Igor and Victor obviously are trying to re-kill it and they have to stab it twice because, you know, I had two hearts. So Igor, yeah, Igor gets a good stab in. And this is where we see the notebook style come back. And Victor realizes that Igor only got one of the hearts. And And then um, they proceed to make a second stab, not where the second heart was shown. No, not even close. I just want to point that out. That was super irritating. It was like like, through the center of his, it was like under his sternum. Yeah, it was like to the that way it but originated here and came out in like his left like um like it never went like up to where yeah. it literally had just shown in a diagram where it was at because because the hearts were back. stacked yeah the hearts were stacked on each other uh front and back so it was like they're in the same position on a normal human but there was an yeah. additional one and it was just you know big beefier chest it was super frustrating. So anyway, they had to re-kill Jumbo Henry, and Igor got knocked out. Well, Victor took the opportunity to be like, eh, I'm going to write you a clean letter. Break. Yeah, clean break. Now's a good time for me to just kind of disappear. And uh, and actually, what was in the note was very good. He Igor woke up to a, a note from him that was like, hey, I was going to wait for you, but, um, you know, you got a good thing going with Lorelai, and um, I'm going to leave you be. Yeah. So, uh, three's a crowd. Yeah. It's just going to be you two. And, um, so whenever we figure out how to make a soul enter a human brain and then bring the body back to life, I'll call you back. How's that sound? And he, he actually did leave him with, uh, which that was kind of funny, but he did leave him with something very nice. And he was grateful for what Igor had done with him after all the crap he had put him through and had said to manipulate him and stuff. And he said, you are, and always will be my greatest creation. And I thought that was really nice for someone so self-righteous and caught up in his own motives to step back and see what he had actually done that was good. But see, I took it complete opposite. Like, maybe it's just because I'm spiteful, but like normal people would see that as a nice sentiment. And I thought of that as like a, wow, what a bitch move to like in your parting ways, 
basically take credit for all the good that Igor becomes. Like, at first it was, you're a genius, and he's, like, fostering and helping, like, gain his confidence and grow his independence and good for him. Like, you're a physician, you're my partner, you're great, you're this. And then it's, I made you. Yeah. I can see what you're saying, and I do think that did leak into it a little bit. He is a little bit of a a narcissist and that, you know. can't can't help it. He couldn't help it. But in his own way, to me, it did read that... It was meant positively. Like, I'll give him that, but... But knowing him and how he had turned yeah. so quickly on Igor I'm and talked to him... like, yeah. sus- suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. But yeah, that's that's pretty much the end of the movie. That's how where we end up is uh, Frankenstein... Yeah, kind of frolicking through the, through the meadows and drawing diagrams of the brain. Trying to figure out how to get a soul in there. That wraps up the movie. Just a few quality discussion points. Some of them I'll recap and some of them I'll just, you know, just throw those out there. Um, I know you like it and I know I like it. But for anybody out there that's listening, this is a very Van Helsing friendly movie. Yeah. If you liked the movie Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale, you will like this movie. It it offers a, a it plays less on the mysticism. It, it tries to go more for sci-fi, um, and it it's a, it's a decent sci-fi, and um, the acting is good and stuff like that. You know, it's a it's a good pretty much all star cast, um, and it it provides an alternative view on the same characters. With, you know, there's no vampires in this one, but with the concept of, like, Frankenstein and stuff, he was also in the the Van Helsing movie. Um, It's got the same, you know, dark gothic vibes to it and stuff like that. Kind of dismal colors most of the time. There's a few scenes that are pretty colorful, but um, when it comes to the science part of it, it's it's blues and blacks, you know. Very fun movie. I mentioned it earlier. There's a lot of context clues that were given throughout the film that made you ask questions. Like when the the Baron Frankenstein comes in and he he didn't recognize Igor and stuff like that, but he knew it was Igor somehow because he was so pretentious. And he was like, oh yeah, you were slimmer last time I saw you or you're slimmer this time or something like that. And, you know, the, it's like, well, what happened to Igor? And then he, at one point he compares him, he compares Victor to Henry as well. And it's like, well, who's Henry? What happened to Henry? Clearly he's dead. Are they both dead? And it has you asking the right questions in the right places. Sadly, though, I do feel like a lot of it was predictable because we asked the right questions too rightly, if that makes sense. Especially you, like, picking up on the fact that Igor was probably dead as well. It's like, hold up, where's Igor? And then we find out that his eyes had been used in the science experiment and his body was locked up in the freezer, you know, just, you know. It's like, oh, I need some ice, Igor. Thanks, man. Check, check, uh chip a little off the old shoulder quite literally um the decision making i would say in this movie is sensible if you will like when you know a a rational person becomes irrational because of their sins that they've committed or the things that they feel obligated to you know the what lorelei did for igor when he was going to help victor still 10 out of 10 yep yeah she was real like wingman right there she was great Everything about her. I kept waiting for her to be, like, kind of, like, pretentious or just, I don't know, snooty. Because it portrayed her to be, like, out of reach in the beginning. 
Yeah, because she was the trapeze artist I at the circus. I had written down that, like, he was, like, creepy obsessed with her. I was like, um, mm-hmm. why you But she kind be, of like... was a little bit. It, well, it made it sound like, like she was out of reach, but, like, he kept describing her as a friend, and maybe it just, like, didn't clearly show her end of the friendship. Because, like, she never, mm-hmm. like, was on the trapeze looking at him, like... And it never showed her treating him badly. It was mostly just the guys yeah. and, like, the director that was it treating almost, him bad. It, it almost made it sound like she didn't really know who he was. Until but she sa- he, he saved her life. Once she realized, you know, who he was, apparently they were fine. And she was super kind the whole time. Mm-hmm. And she was a real, like, a real woman. Like, straight up. Yeah, I, I really... Not, like, I a fake woman. Like, her to, like, she was legit. Just be fake. And, yeah. She was awesome. Um, I mentioned the commitment to the abscess wrinklage specifically is what I wrote down. Like once again, just the, the consistency there was really good. And overall the cool visuals and the, the archaic science that we were seeing, like the, the concept that all of this, you know, electric stuff, all of this, you know, heavy duty lightning powered items, that was all kind of outlandish and rare in that time frame. And I did like the way they had like those like balloons like the weather balloons yeah. that had like the conductors on the outside that of them was and a stuff. Neat little Very cool, yeah. Just connected to the ropes, you know. They ruined it at the end there. Yeah, the steel. At least those were hopefully steel cables. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's that's all I have about it. Uh. Just a few negative things to say, and that's mostly just predictability on the plot. Which I mean, we know that Frankenstein's going to create a monster, but sometimes the monster end up good. Ends up good depending on which film you're watching. Actually, all of them. Actually, this is the only one that it was bad that I can think of. And bad is relative because it wasn't bad or good. It was just neither here nor there. It had no soul. It was just reactive. It was like those little amorphous eyeballs that the brain grew that respond to light stimuli. Except for these ones can choke you out. <laughs> and throw you across the whole castle. Oh, yeah. And at some point, Finnegan ended up dying because he was in an elevator watching this whole thing unfold. And then, you know, you Pinata Jumbo Henry comes down and... Sh- hits the elevator and the elevator crashes and burns so he died he didn't get the immortality he wanted so what did you rate this nope it's your turn to go first yeah we actually went out of order because um this is an odd number episode so i should have been doing it i miscounted last time so we're out of sync i rated a three you gave it a three okay it's not a four it's not a four yay yeah I liked the movie. It, you know, like, was fun to watch through, you know, this time, and it was good vibes, and I liked a lot about it, but it was very just, like, middle ground for me. Like, I'm not going to, like, wake up and be like, I want to rewatch this, you know, today, and then maybe again later on. Like, it's not, like, nobody level. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) This is a good one. You're glad you rented. Yeah. I'm glad that I watched it. I'd recommend it to people that like the style of movie. I enjoyed it. I would have to agree. I also rated it a three. For the same reason. I I probably wouldn't watch this again unless I'm watching it with somebody. Like, oh, you should see Victor Frankenstein. It's like, well, I don't have anybody to watch it with. Okay, I'll watch it with you. Yes. It's like, very, I would have no issue with that. Yes. And it's very entertaining. The The bad science was entertaining and not so glaringly bad that I couldn't get through it. You know, because there's sometimes where sci-fis are like, wow, that's really freaking bad science. I can't. Like, if there was a way to describe this movie, I would say it's very PG-13. Yeah. Like, it really was very PG-13. So maybe that's what it is. It's, uh, the audience is a little different. Yes. There wasn't anything that's particularly extra 
about the movie that's gonna I think draw in a crazy niche crowd or whatever how you say it but yeah. Just an average movie for those that like kind of old aspecty movies or, like you said, Van Helsing or... Yeah, that's that's the best way I can describe this yeah. movie is that it's a combination of... sherlock Sherlock Holmes and Van Helsing. Now, Van Helsing is one that I'll watch over but and over. But I will say by comparing it to those two things, you might be even um, boosting the quality a little bit because mm-hmm. I would rate the, both of those things as four and a halfs. Absolutely, because I've seen Easily, both of those. both of those are four and a half. And I literally, I completely agree because I was literally just saying, I've watched Van Helsing over and over and over again. That and I love that movie. Even though it's not a great film, I love them. Me. Love, love, love. Yeah. We both gave this a three. Nice, fresh rating. Worth watching. If not a waste of time. like, I should watch this. This is your, yes, go ahead and watch it. It's two ninety nine on Redbox and three ninety nine on Amazon Prime for rental. I'm sure you could buy it for a little bit more. But anyway, Pop Podcast recommends Victor Frankenstein. This concludes our four-part series on Daniel Radcliffe. If anybody has any suggestions on who we should focus on next, if anything, do let us know. But we may end up doing a Daniel Radcliffe movie next week because we found the movie called Jungle, and the movie Swiss Army Man are both currently free on some service. We'll have to check it out. We'll have to dig further. But yeah. We've just dug ourselves into this Daniel Radcliffe hole. Yeah. We might want to change it up a little bit, but I do want to watch those movies because they do look good. No, no I mean, like, they're, like, each one has been a whole completely different ride, you know? Uh, yeah. And I mean, the only bad one that I really had was Guns Akimbo. Was it bad? To you. Because you like comedy and action, and to me, that it just, ugh, God, I can't. I gave it a 1.5 for a reason. I don't ever want to watch it again. Everybody have a good evening. Stay fresh. Goodbye. Goodbye.